With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, it's uh, the Friday before Super Bowl. But, I, you know, funny, it's like, and it has nothing to do with the Bills not being in it or them losing in painful fashion, Ted. I just don't care about this Super Bowl. I, I, I would have cared about the Super Bowl had Kansas City been in it because I would have been able to, you know, you know root for like the uh, like Von Miller or Aaron Donald to break Pat Mahomes' back. But uh, you know, you know, or just the, just the, you know, vent that visceral hatred that a fan has after what he did against the Bills. But I just don't, I, I don't hate either team. It's like, okay, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. It's a pair of uh, nobody really likes, but nobody really hates. I mean, obviously, you know, the Rams have gone from California to Missouri back to California, and they're still trying to find their way in uh, SoFi Stadium. And obviously the Bengals are a good story, but, you know, they haven't been around since they beat the Bills, uh, you know, back in uh, 89. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, the Icky icky Shuffle. The Icky Shuffle, yep. Um, But but yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be an interesting game. Obviously, I thought the Bills or the Chiefs were going to be the AFC representative, but I still think the Bengals are the better team than the Rams. I, I love you too, Funky. Uh, Listen, I love all this talk about the Bills losing and previous Super Bowls and championship games. All of it makes, <laughs> makes me happy. Listen, the Jets have a championship, so I don't want to ever hear from you about that team. <laughs> but uh, I did cover. Uh, the Super Bowl with the virtual media, and I did write about the Rams and Bengals, mostly about the Rams and how I thought their the game is going to go. So go to Sportsology and check it out. I was on with Aaron Donald, and um, and it was it was interesting. I, I enjoyed it, and so I think people will enjoy it too. Anyhow, the other news is the Olympics. So let's talk about Camilla Valieva, who was banned for a uh, some sort of substance, an illegal substance, and then China medication apparently, and, and then of course all IOC hell breaks loose and now it's up in the air. It's like, well, we don't know what we're going to do yet. And they're letting her practice. Yeah. And Hello. here's what I want to say. Here's what Hello. I want to say. Wait, wait. Hello, Xi Jinping. This is Vladimir Putin calling. Yeah. Hmm. How about that? Uh, that skater. Okay. Milo of Croton, Leonidas of Rhodes. Those Romans never took anything when they do play where they were when they were in like the original Olympics. And I bring that up because, well, they were Mike, those were names. There were seven like big time athletes. Those were some of the big ones, Mm -hmm. but I bring it up because again, we're at the point now where if she isn't suspended, you watch the Olympic numbers are going to drop like a stone for some people, because we're all going to say at this point, it's not fair competition anymore. Ted, this is the thing. I saw a report and it wasn't like the opening ceremonies who's nobody, nobody cares about, but like the first three days of the Olympics, the ratings for NBC were down 68% from 2018. So already people are saying, and and now, and now, um, I mean, you've got these controversies going on. I I mean, and, and on top of the thing that nobody's talking about, which, which Russ brought to my attention, 
the whole Mike Tirico situation where oh, yeah. he gets sent back from China because he, he dared to say something critical. Allegedly. This is what we think. Nobody right. has come out and said that, but he did have some opinions and apparently it's not and good to have has, he, has he been seen on any broadcast since? Well, he was. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they taped or whatever, but yesterday I did hear him. It's so from Stanford, know. probably. It's from Stanford, oh. Connecticut, probably. Probably. But, I mean, Ted, this, this is a – I mean – Will the IOC open their eyes to the fact that having the host being an authoritarian regime who's part of, you know, uh, crimes against humanity and shutting people up and putting people in gulags, gee, that doesn't, that doesn't spring the, you know, the Olympic ethic. The problem is, too, is the Olympics, was, it became such a bloated enterprise that yes. nobody wants to bid for it except for Sochi or uh, China, you know, they, they, they were willing to lose millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, they don't even have to have snow anymore for Winter Olympics. You could just put snow in a warehouse or just have all the fake snow that you want. We can't even get real snow in a Winter Olympics anymore. Yeah, they, no, they're, 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 they're spending with the uh, nuclear plant. <laughs> they're spending billions of dollars to, to promote their to promote their regimes. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's money well spent for them. Although apparently if you look at, at the buildings that were built for Sochi, they were like abandoned right after. And like they're just like ro like rotting away and nothing. Is yeah, happening. Beijing is reusing some, but I'm not going to say, that, you know, I, that's the only positive I have on the whole Olympics. For what? Me. A coliseum? No, no, no. They're using some of the Summer Olympic stuff for Winter Olympic events. Like they actually are. They've actually recycled these, I mean, these uh, venues. But again... That's the only positive I've got. In the end, like even Christine Brennan wrote a headline for USA Today, and she, to me, is the Olympic authority of any of the writers that I can tell you about in the U.S. And she said if, if, if this skater is not suspended, the Olympics will be forever tainted, and I agree with her. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, they never should have held this Olympics right now, even if you hold it in China. Because, yeah. you know, reading some of the athletes, for me, obviously, I've been lucky enough to go to a couple Olympics. The whole thing is going out into the city, seeing the people, meeting athletes from other countries. These guys are prisoners in their own yeah. in their own uh, dorm rooms. Yeah. They can't go out. They have to be tested every day. If you dare get tested, you're sent off to isolation. And it just it sounds like such a miserable experience for the athletes. And they're the ones who are supposed to be you know, having the best time here. So, you know, and a it was the sound good in comparison. Well, I just I just pulled up this story and I hadn't heard I hadn't heard about this, but uh, uh, Zhao Jiling, the Canadian-born Chinese women's goaltender, is not allowed in post-game media availabilities to speak English since she's the Chinese goalie, even though oh, she can speak English. Oh my God! What does Ethan Warwick do? Tell me what Ethan Warwick. You, know, you can't interview him. I mean, who can you interview from that team? Yeah. I, well, the, I, the crazy thing was watching the game last night, you know, all the, you know, players who actually knew from the NHL experience, you know, Brendan Yip, they're all having different names. So you're trying to figure out I what know. the different names of the guys you actually know are. I mean, Ted, you know, I, 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 I looked at the, I looked at the U S China roster uh, that, that was posted. I think Chris Peters posted it. And I'm like, wait, wait where's Jake Chelios? Where's Jeremy Smith? They, <laughs> China sized. Well, they, they when they naturalized these these guys on a moment's notice, I guess they gave them these names, and so that's why when we saw the sheet, we had no idea. But then on the broadcast, we were like, okay, there's Parker Fu, there's Spencer Fu. Okay, we know these players. 
Yeah. It was, I mean, it was First Kung Fu and Egg Fu Young. I mean, it's obviously like, uh, you know, it was, it was probably good for them that the NHLers didn't go to the games, but, uh, you oh. know, it's just this, the whole tournament and you're, you're just waiting for the COVID shoe, shoe to drop at some point, especially well, see, from the, that, with the women's team, they had nine, you know, I, and they replaced I, them quickly, by the way. I'm not rooting for that to happen because I don't want these athletes to, to uh, you know, have worked for all this time to get to the Olympics and then have uh, you know, COVID take it out. But it would almost be poetic justice if they had to shut down these games in mid in mid flight because yeah. of COVID. It would, it, you know. But you know, I mean, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be watching Canada U.S. tonight. Yeah, so sure, so will I, but. I haven't watched much else. I, I haven't. Uh, Ted, I have watched. I think other than Canada U.S. women's hockey and some of the U.S. China game, very little. I haven't watched almost anything. It's like I see it and I'm changing the channel. Yeah, I think it the difference too is the time difference makes it really difficult because obviously the U.S. game is at eleven o'clock Eastern tonight, or yeah. you'd have to be up really late or up early in the morning. Or God yeah. help you overnight to see any of this hockey because it's almost yeah. over by you know mid morning. It's true. Uh, one more, the one other facet that I'm not enjoying about these Olympics. In the past, it's been easier to find stuff. Now it's almost impossible. I feel like NBC did that on purpose. So like if I had Peacock, I guarantee you I could find everything very easily. But I'm paying for cable and NBC's on it and USA's on it and whatever other channels and they haven't really been showing it on the other ones. Maybe over the weekend they will and. You still can't find stuff. There's certain events that we've been looking for in this house and yet have yet to find them. All right, let's start the show. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, February 11th, 2022. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com, and we're pleased to be joined by Ted Starkey of Newsday. Uh, Ted, welcome to the show again. And uh um, let's, let's start with, uh, something from last night. I'll just, just to get off, get on and off the leaf page quickly. Um, because a rather interesting game last night, the, them playing the Calgary flames in a makeup of one of the postponed games from la from, uh, December, um, you know, Calgary, uh, has a lot of games to make up. They uh, were on the second of back-to-back -back games after beating Vegas, they start Markstrom in uh, back, on back-to-back -back nights, which is a definitely a Daryl Sutter type of thing. I thought they were going to go with Ladar, but he goes with Markstrom. Um, we know the type of team that Daryl Sutter wants to play and is playing. He's got you know uh, Good Branson and Zadorov and uh, Adam Ruzika and Milan Luch. He's just got a bunch of really big, tough dudes, and. I look, you know, obviously the Leafs are having a great season, Ted, and they, you know, they're having, you know, they were 30, 10, and three. They've got the fourth best uh, points percentage in the NHL, but their test is how do they play against teams that play playoff style hockey? And we know Daryl Sutter's teams play playoff style hockey. And in my mind, they sort of wilted after the Kasha hit on Zadorov and after. Um, you know, a couple of players got mugged in the crease and Matthews got picked on and Marner got picked on. I thought they played with trepidation and they ended up losing five, two. And all those, I'm writing about this now, all those questions, about, all the skepticism about them being able to play playoff hockey just came right to the forefront again. Yeah. And it's going to be difficult for them in the second half because 
they're basically locked in. They're not probably going to, you know, they're not going to catch Tampa or uh, Florida and Boston seems to be ready to take the eighth spot. So you're basically playing half the season of preseason two. You want to stay healthy. You don't want to fall too far off the pace, but you know, you're going to have to be answering these questions until the games actually count in May. Um, so it's going to be a long run. You know, basically the Eastern conference is, you know, I can't remember a year where the playoff field is pretty much set when it's yeah, not I either. I mean, this is maybe I Boston. Kind of warm, out, but like, two, we saw it happening like almost two months ago. Yeah. I mean, the Islanders, the Islanders have been out of it since December. And that was basically the last team that you thought could make a serious run in one of the Eastern spots. Right. Once the Penguins and Bruins got on a winning streak in January, that pretty much closed the door on everybody else. And just, you know, just now, our folks in the chat. There we go. That's that's <laughs> the that's the Islander side. Although, <laughs> while this might be disappointing for the Leafs, I'm sure losing six nothing to uh, Carolina was bad for the Bruins. I mean, Linus Omar gave up a six spot. Yeah, but they're yeah. with okay, they're without Bergeron. They're without everybody's Mark. without Mike. Like, I know, just, but I'm just saying that there are reasons there. I know. Well, the thing is with the Bruins too, it's gonna be interesting because I keep hearing that the Bruins are probably gonna do a big retool after the season. Yeah, but you're not gonna do for it. Yeah, you're not gonna sell when you're in the playoffs. So no. you're gonna have to wait till the summer. You're not gonna buy and you're not gonna buy either. You're not gonna get right. straight first rounders to try to you know, maybe well, extend your season by a game or two against Tampa. No, but well, they're kind of stuck too. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Just get off the leaf page for a second and go to the Bruins because okay, Rask retires. Right. Um. You know, they they have a young goalie in Swayman and Allmark on a on a long term deal. Um. But we know where things are going here, Ted. If there's talk of a retool, that means maybe they know something about Bergeron in terms of maybe either retiring or moving on to some other play. You know, there's talk about you know him going to Montreal because of you know Kent Hughes being his agent or him going someplace else. I mean, that's pot. I mean, I would think he'd want to finish his career in Boston, but if they're going to go in the direction of a rebuild, they don't have a number one center. They don't have a number two center if, if Bergeron re- retires. So where do they go? I mean, the thing is, you know, they just look, they just look old if you've watched them lately. And, you know, they have one line who can score. And if that line doesn't produce, and obviously two of those three guys were out last night, they're sunk. And, you know, obviously, you know, Swayman has been okay, but obviously I think there's a lot of pressure on him to become the number one goalie. And I just think that, you know, they, they built so much around their defense, but, you know, kind of the forward core has kind of gotten gotten old and they're going to re- need, need to do a lot of retooling up front. Uh, so I'd anticipate they'll they'll make some tough decisions over the summer. You know, they'll probably be competitive for a playoff spot, but I can't see them as a serious contender until, yeah. you know, for the next couple of years. I mean, Russ, I mean, I, I just, just one more thing about the Bruins because, you know, we don't know definitively what's going to happen with Bergeron, but if he does retire – you know, right now, okay, your number two center might be Charlie Coyle, and then you're either going to have to go out and either free agency or by trade to get a number one center. Are they going to spend $8 million to sign Nazem Kadri? I mean, no, it, I, I think this whole regime is done. I think – I I don't think I picked them for the playoffs, but certainly they're going to make it, but I don't think they're going far. And I think Bergeron's going to go to Montreal. I really do. I think that's where he's headed. I think they're going to do a big retool because they need to do a big retool. They – Again, they still have no secondary scoring on this team. I mean, let's be honest. That, that's that's still the biggest thing that plagues them. And so you could only run this line out and a couple of other players just so many times, and this year might be the year where it's just really too hard in the playoffs to run to get far that way. Yeah, now, they're going to end up playing Tampa or Florida in the first round right. or maybe Carolina, and they're not good matchups for any of those teams. No. 
Now, we may have seen a Stanley Cup preview last night with Tampa Bay playing Colorado. It was a 3-2 victory for the Avs, but it was a really good game, at least of what I saw of it, Ted. And, I mean, you know, anything can happen. I mean, Tampa Bay is not a lock to get back to the Cup for the third third year in a row, but even though they lost a completely a complete third line and, you know, and a, and a couple other players as well, they're still, you know, they still have that top six. They still have Vasilevsky. They still have arguably the best defenseman in the NHL and Victor Hedman. I mean, it's going to be tough to get through, you know, Florida, Toronto, the Rangers or whatever, but this is still a team that's top echelon. Yeah. I mean, it, until someone beats Tampa, it's theirs to lose. I mean, I, you tried to make an argument for anyone else. You still got to get through Tampa and, you know, really yeah. you're looking through all the other teams, you know, Florida, maybe, but, you know, any of the other teams, you, Tampa's a good matchup for anybody. You know, they, yeah, I, I think, think Florida is their toughest matchup. I think they yeah. were a tough matchup for them last year. I think Florida has gotten better this year. They'll do, they have money to spend at the deadline where Tampa doesn't, and they're going to have to do some shenanigans again to, to fit something in. Cause already we'll, we could talk about the Vegas shenanigans. Mike and I aren't. Oh, that was next on my list, Ross. Yeah. So Dropping like a stone. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, end of the day, I do think Florida can beat Tampa, but it doesn't mean Tampa can't win that series. Of course they can. I don't want to hear anybody complaining about Nikita Kucherov having surgery and coming back the day after, or Patrick Kane coming back with Chicago. With now with what apparently is going to happen, according to Frank Cervalli, they're saying that Mark Stone could be placed on LTIR for the remainder of the season. And oh, magically, he has vi- he has visited the Fountain of Youth on April 29th, and he will be back 100% whole for the playoffs. And and Jack Eichel, just as he's going on LTIR with his back, Jack Eichel's ready to come. I mean, Ted, you know, this is the thing. We we know the shenanigans that happened in the cap world. We expected it. We didn't, you know, Russ and I were talking about in previous podcast about, well, maybe they're going to trade Riley Smith or maybe, you know, Dadunov makes more sense. They weren't going to do any of it. They were going to do this. They're they're sending Mark Stone to Hawaii for two months to to rest and recuperate. Yep. Well, I mean, the Capitals are probably going to do the the same thing to try to get a goaltender at the deadline. They're talking about uh, Anthony Mantha, who's been out. But right. of course, this week they're suddenly saying, "Well, he may not be ready to the playoffs or close to the playoffs." Well, yeah, I wonder yeah. why. You know, so I mean, teams have been this doing the strategy the now. Like we we knew this. That's why um, Ted, Mike, and I said a while back, I didn't think Riley Smith was going anywhere, and everybody's like, "Well, he has to because of the money." And I'm like, either they're going to pull the shenanigans or they'll get rid of somebody else somehow. But it wasn't going to be Riley Smith. They could never afford to lose him. They don't have enough players like him, and. Of course, now they're just going to go this route, so no shock. Yeah, I mean, teams do this. It's just obviously Tampa did it to an extreme last year, but yeah. you know, it, Capitals have done this for years. You know, they'll have nobody a guy should who, complain. No GM should complain because everybody will do it if yeah, they have the they chance. Do a, they'll do it until they do a cap for the playoffs. This is going to keep happening because yeah. GMs yeah. want to win, and it's a loophole they can exploit. Right. Yeah. No. No. No doubt. And I. I think what you'll uh, you'll also see you'll also see teams that are right up against it right before the deadline. A player that you didn't know was hurt is going to go on on long term injury just yep. for the, so they can open up the cap space. And you know it's it, 
it's going to happen. Or, to, you know, I, I don't know how it works in terms of teams trading for players who are already on LTIR, whether they can create space that way. But I think they can. And we have seen we have seen offseason moves like that. I don't know if the, you can do the same thing with a player, say, like, a, like well, like Tampa traded for Brent Seabrook. Right. I mean, they, they did that during the offseason. If you traded for a player on LTIR, do you create the cap space during the season? I don't think you do, but if they can – They'll, the teams that are up against it will do that. So, or, or you'll send someone away. Like, you know, if the Capitals trade for a goalie, I would expect they send Samson off out because he's got a $2 million hit. So, you know, you'll find a guy who's in the system or, you know, you'll That's pay still a guy. him in the end. But for now, I get why they might do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you think he's going to be a good goalie down the line. I still think there's a very good chance. He, he Again, if you think about these last two off seasons for him, the injuries, the COVID, like he's probably not even anywhere near what he should be. Right. And sometimes you just need to change the scenery too. I think the difference between him and Vanacek is Samsonov has uh, great highs and great lows, whereas Vanacek is more consistent. Vanacek isn't as good as Samsonov at his best, but you kind of know what you're getting with Vanacek. But I would expect Samsonov with a higher cap head is probably the goaltender to part with if they make a trade for one. Ted, we were talking about this a a week or so ago because at that point there was was a flurry to Washington speculation. And we had Kevin Kevin Allen on the show, and he was like, well, I don't know whether flurry – you know, Flurry is a Pittsburgh guy, even though he has he's played for Vegas and played for Chicago, and didn't know whether um, Flurry would really warm to playing against their arch rival at the at the tail end of his career. I mean, other than say Varlamov, I, I going back there for a second time. I don't know where Washington goes for a goaltender if they want somebody who's going to be a number one going into the playoffs. The interesting thing about uh, McClellan is. Uh, last couple of trades he's done, he's gone for term. Like yeah. he'll go off the board. He won't just get a rental. Cause I mean, I think Flurry may be prohibitively expensive for them, especially yeah, for a rental. So. Uh, I could see them maybe trying to inquire about Holtby if he wants to come back. Right. Yeah, Holtby I mentioned. I did. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if they get a guy with a year or two left in his contract and send out more significant assets. Cause I think the problem is if you get a rental goalie now and trade, say, Samson off. You're going to be back in the situation in three months. He may say, if I can get a goalie for next year, right. it's worth it for me to pay more to get a goalie with a year. And then, obviously, if you get a guy with term, uh, you know, that opens the door to a lot more candidates. Because Yes, yeah, Varlamov doesn't good. have the term, but I still think they'll go after him, too. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got another year at $5 million. He does have a year. Okay, so, yeah. so yeah. I actually thought he was up this year. So, Varlamov could be that guy, too, Ted. Yeah, but, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do because I think – from all the indications I'm getting, Samsonov has really fallen out of favor with Laviolette, and I don't think yeah, it's really you know, hard for he's... goalie to fall out of favor with Lavi. Ask, ask you know, Bridge Galloff about that. That see, that is an op. Okay, because I I, tr- I trust Russ in terms of his analysis of 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 young players, and I've seen Samsonov play uh, over the last few years, and I think he's got a lot of talent. That's an opportunity that a team, a young team that is desperate for a goaltending Buffalo Sabers. Or, or you know that you know take a swing at that guy if they're if they're saying we're, we're you know that that's you know that is a move to make. Yeah, um, and the interesting thing is, I mean, you look at the playoffs this year. There's going to be eight teams in the East selling at least. You know, so you're going to have a lot more sellers than you usually do. Usually, you have you maybe like half a dozen teams you just want to sell. I mean, well, 
Half the I, East is going to be selling at the deadline. I want to talk about that, but here let's let's touch on this one, and I, I want to get your point of view on this because Russ and I have firmly established our belief that this Arizona situation is effed up because it came out yesterday from Craig Morgan um, that the Arizona Board of Regents approved a development plan for the ASU Arena, which is a 5,000-seat arena, to host, uh, to ho be the home of the Coyotes for at least three seasons. And from what I understand from this agreement, it's like a $150 million development of this arena. It is not contingent on them getting a deal to build the a new arena in Tempe. So what? I, I mean... I can't see a NHL, at least I didn't think I could see an NHL team playing in a building with 35 to 4,000 fans instead of 15, 16, 17,000. There's, it seems like they're locking into this, Ted. It's like, what? Oh, they are, they're locked in. It's, it's a crazy situation. Like, the only way I could say it would be tenable if they had an agreement to build a new arena in Tempe. That's the only way I think you could say, okay, well, it's worth it. It's like me moving to another city for a job I don't have. You know, right. you're, make, you're making this major commitment. And what happens if the, you know, if Tempe falls through, you're just basically a way station to Houston or Quebec. It's, it's you know. Right. That's, what, that's what the league wanted because Unless apparently they're just going to roll the dice on this. But I know people involved in Tempe and it is nowhere near a slam dunk. It's going to be a long haul to get this group to get the uh, Tempe people to sign on with this group. Unless there's an out clause in this deal and they're going to spend $150 million on revamping the Arizona State University arena and then all of a sudden, oh, see you later, we're, we're going yeah, to – I don't think that's happening. I, I don't think, think that's happening either. And by yeah. the way, in terms of your analogy of going going someplace for a job, uh, Ted, uh, talk, re reference the Seattle Times and a certain writer that we know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here, I'm going to read you some attendance figures. Okay. 4724, 4154. 3965, and I'll give them to you in order. One is UMass, the other is Maine, the other is Yukon. They're going to have better attendance figures than the Arizona Coyotes. Well, and the crazy thing is, I looked at the uh, Hockey East this Arena. Hockey, hockey East. UConn Hockey, just to give an example, and Ted knows this, it's not like UConn Hockey is massive. It's no. not. Yeah. And, and Ted wasn't. Wasn't there pushback when the Islanders were moving from Barclays to Nassau about the amount of t attendance? And now yes. we're going to an arena yeah. that's not that's even three, half. Three times what they're going to have in, in uh, Tempe. You know, 13,000. They went from 15 to 13. And they're like, oh, it's not enough for NHL. But, you know, and it's just they gave them all this flack. And now they're opening the door for, you know, what's going to be a tiny arena. And not only that, if they're having 4,000 ticket, 4, tickets, they're going to be hideously expensive, which no one's going to buy. Right. Because obviously they're going to have to make some form of money. So it would be like when the Chargers played in uh, you know, the soccer stadium in Carson City. Uh, basically, <laughs> they're, losing, they're going to be losing every year, and their hope to gain is the Tempe deal. But again, and I'll keep an eye on it because I know somebody in construction that's been keeping an eye on it. And you know, right now it's nowhere near close. And no one trusts the Coyotes' management because what happened with uh, Glenn? There's an issue there. That's a real yeah. issue. I mean, I think they've said the Tempe people and the you know, the Tempe government have said, you know, basically they don't they want to see what happens because they pay, saw they, they, ASU, they had to pay up front. They yep. had to pay up front for ASU. Yep. I mean, it's just it's it's a mess of an organization, and they keep wanting to you know Bedman doesn't want to let a Sun Belt team leave, but you know at some point you got to. Just think about this. I, I, this is the crazy thing. 
the likely scenario of this one is so next year they haven't signed an agreement they're playing all year there then we hear well you know maybe it'll happen it's getting closer and then two years into it there's no deal like that is fully what i expect to happen unless there's just some sort of major change in this and so like you're trading all these years off and still if it is this difficult for a team to move the nhl still gonna have to a year and a half out plan that team to move ted i have this weird conspiracy theory they are hanging around they are hoping in arizona hangs around for three more years they're waiting for a certain player to turn unrestricted free agent from Scottsdale <laughs> to be the savior to come back to, to save the team that inspired him to be a hockey player. You know, it's like, I mean, really, it's like, I, I just get that weird the Austin feeling. Matthews arena. Come on. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I mean, how many times you have to be knocked over the head that this situation in Arizona just doesn't friggin' work. I think, I think the presumption is that team's going to be there in three years if they keep this up, because you know, there's, it's, it's hard to hockey is such an in-person sport and you're just limiting, just limiting the seats to diehards is a bad idea. Because, you know, if it's no one can go see the games, no one cares, no one watches on TV, you know, it's just – it's like they're trying to audition for Tempe, but it just – it seems like the better uh, the better way to go would be let the Coyotes leave, and if they build the new arena, give them an expansion team. They get $750 million back, everyone wins. But this – it's just trying to put a Band-Aid on a bad situation. And the only problem is Ted. By the time you want to make them an expansion team, their roster will be so bad. Mm -hmm. It'll be worse than Seattle's. Yeah. I mean, you can't spend money because you're going to be near the, have, near the salary floor every year. They have, no 15, one's come to games. they have 15 unrestricted free agents. Mm -hmm. Like The only people who are going to go there, they're all going to go on one-year deals so they can get to the cap floor. They're just going to be recycling crap. You they're going to get down to 12 unrestricted free agents by the draft time, Mike. You'll see they'll make a few draft day trades mm -hmm. to get rid of the warehouse of picks they have so and get a few players with term. So they can have so they can have eight second round picks instead of five? Right. I mean, the no, thing no, is no, 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 no. They're going to do it the opposite way. They're going to trade some of them for players with a little term on them that they have cost certainty with so they don't have 15 UFAs. That's what they're going to do. You no. have to worry that they're going to be in a death spiral like Atlanta got in the last couple of years where, you know, you just sell off your players, you're non-competitive, the fans don't care, and it becomes a vicious cycle. And, then, you know, yeah. if you don't spend money, fans aren't going to spend money on you. And then at some point, you know, if the arena falls through, you basically wasted three years in a small arena then just slinking out of town. So going from the sublime to the ridiculous, um, the Arizona Coyotes, their goal differential is minus 71. If you, but that's not the worst in the league, folks. No. No. That's the, that would be the Les Habitants, the Montreal Canadiens, the, the representative of the East in the Stanley Cup final. Or, no, excuse me, that's right. They, the divisions were all flipped around. It was north, south, whatever. Um, they're 8-31-7, and seven, Ted, uh, last oh, night. Was, what are you going to do, Mike? Last night was, I had the unfortunate pleasure of watching three hours of the Canadians last night. And uh -huh. that was, they may be one of the, if not for the Sabres of the mid 2010s, they are probably the worst non-expansion team I've seen. They just, you know, they basically cannot, they cannot score. They cannot defend. So how uh, many games will they win under Marty St. Louis? Well, that was uh, what I was going to bring up is the okay. fact that, 
you know, Martin, it was the debut of, of, of uh, the next Scotty Bowman, Marty San Luis. And, you know, I, I saw like San Luis whispering in Cole Caulfield's ear and then Cole Caulfield scores a goal. It's like, that's why we brought him to Montreal. So he can inspire Cole. I mean, Give me a break. No, but they need Cole Caulfield to score. And I agree that. I agree. You know, that. Yeah, yes. we all know the thing that is, that's you know, they fast. fell down two to nothing, and that game really was never in doubt. Montreal creeped within they they thought they crept within one goal with three minutes to go, but it was offside. And they just, you know, they they the, the shots were kind of deceptive because a lot of the shots were from long range or pretty easy saves for Samson off, which I didn't think he played a great game, but he still, you know, made 40 some saves. Um, but I just you know, there was improvement, Ted. We're going to hear that. Yes. Tell us well, about the improvement. I thought about that. How amazing it is. I'm watching a Montreal Canadiens telecast, and they're talking about what moral victories they had in this game. It's like, how many Stanley Cups you've won? And it's like, well, they didn't play that badly. It's like, how far has this franchise fallen? Well, pl- no, no, please. I'll, I'll, Can you I'll, imagine I'll, Bob Gainey probably wouldn't even show up to a game anymore. Like, why would he? I'll top I'll top that uh, Ted because uh, there was a, a Montreal radio host on Toronto radio a couple days ago and this was after the uh, you know after the the firing and the hiring of San Louis and he says you know this season has been a disaster but at least we beat the Leafs last year <laughs> I mean Jesus <laughs> okay live, live with that um, now but I do want to say this I don't think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden Cole Caulfield scores with a new coach I no, don't no. want to say that's a coincidence. And I think, you know, they'll work hard under St. Louis. It's just yeah. the problem is when you've got eight wins at the point of the season, you're basically – you've got no pressure even in Montreal. So how um, many more wins the rest of the year? We're going to go around the panel on this. How many games do they have left? Uh, let's see. They are – they've played 46. So they have 30, 36 games remaining. 36. Um, I think they'll win le- less than double – I think they'll win nine at most. I'll go, I'll go prices right over. I'll give them 10. I'm okay. going seven. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> under, over, I'm in, right in the middle. Okay. Um, now, the thing that's interesting about, and I, I told Ak, I said he should go and pitch a tent outside the Bell Center until March the 21st because they're going to be the epicenter of the rumor, uh, Ted. It's going to be, you know, like Toffoli, Dvorak, Drouin, Sherratt, Petrie, maybe David Savard. I mean, there's seven. I just read off seven, and there there could be more that they trade before the. And you know, not all of them are going to happen, but a lot of them are going to happen. Yeah, is this your thing? With the number of teams that are out of it, it's going to be probably one of the stranger trade seasons you're going to see. Especially when you have teams like the Rangers who have plenty of cap room to add guys. Um, you know, Montreal is going to be selling. You'll probably see the Islanders sell off their old guys. Uh, you'll see, you know, other teams selling just because, you know, there's no hope they're going to make the playoffs. But yeah, Montreal, you got to wonder. I mean, last year was kind of an illusion because they were 20th in the league going to playoffs. They got hot at the right time. Uh, they won the Canadian division. They got flurry sleeping in the not Eastern finals. Um, and, you know, it, it was deceptive. It's kind of like, it's strange. It's like the Islanders are, you know, they're a little bit, they overperformed and everyone kind of thought, oh, this is the team on the rise. Well, not really. They just got hot at the right time. So well, especially when they, you know, especially when the Islanders got a break with the bubble. They were they were going down, down, down before that happened. I mean, you look at you know, now the Islanders last year you had uh the Penguins who they were a perfect match against, and then obviously Tuka Rask was bothered with something. And, you know, they played well against Tampa, but 
you know, it's every every team who wins needs to get some luck, and they've gotten a lot of luck the last two years, which has pretty much evaporated this year, which is why they're in the situation they're in. But, yeah. um, you know, Montreal was just – they had a nice run, but this is not a very good team. And, you know, obviously without Carey Price this year, they're a very bad team. Yeah, so we have news out of Philly, Mike. Um, Chuck Fletcher announced today, to no surprise, and we pretty much were talking about it yesterday, Sean Couturier – now, we thought he would just get put on LTIR. He's already had back surgery. So that day that I told you, I'm pretty sure I said it on this show. I remember when Dave Scott and Chuck were having the press conference. I right. looked over to my left and I saw Sean Couturier um, doing some real slow skating on the ice with um, with a, like a track suit on, you know. And I, I said to somebody, he's skating like my speed. <laughs> I figured that was his last skate for the year, like for the hockey season. And so it definitely was. And now they'll have uh, space to be able to eat some salary and, and make some of these deals that they have to make. Well, it, okay, Couturier had back surgery. Uh, Ellis might be out for the year, and Hayes might be out for the year. They got room, so they got lots of room. Um, but that, see, now that I mean, yes, I think they're you know obviously the the Giroux deal. The only way that they're going to get something of consequence, Ted, is retain fifty percent of Giroux's salary. It might have to be traded through a third team, but that's going to be the responsibility of the team that wants them, like right. you know, Colorado or the Rangers or whoever it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Flyers can get something good for him. I think, I think and Russ and I disagree on this. I think they're going to trade Ristolainen, but maybe, maybe if they can get a deal done, but I, the, the thing I don't know about the Flyers is they're talking a good game. Like we want to be competitive next year. This is going to be a retool or reset, not a rebuild. I, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I think they have to do sort of a mini rebuild here because, yeah, I, I, you know. There's just not up there to be competitive. Well, I thought their moves last summer were bizarre. I mean, they go out and get Buffalo's worst defenseman and then trade Ghost. And it just, you know, it just, you just get a sense that, you know, their goaltending uh, heart is just, he seems to have something. You know, Philadelphia is one of the worst spots in the world to be a goaltender because if you're not good, the fans Although will get I think Edmonton's supplanted them, but you're right. Yeah. And I, I just think, I think, you know, he, he's had struggled being the number one guy. I think their defense has been horrendous the last couple of years. And, you know, for years their, their forwards carried them, but now their forwards aren't quite as good as they used to be. You know, they used to have a, their attack could kind of offset their defensive liabilities. They don't have that anymore. And now you got to wonder which way they're going to go. Or are they going to try to build out from the back end? Or are they going to try to build the forwards again? You know, I just, I don't know. And it's a tough division too, because the Rangers are getting better. It is the a Islanders. tough division. That's why it almost doesn't matter what they're going to do next year. They're still going to struggle. And yeah. I will tell you, the Ristolainen's had a good year because they no longer expect any offense out of him. And that's the way to play it. Let him play physical. Let him be out there. He's still a good passer. He's made a lot better decisions. And he has freed up Sandheim to start. And Sandheim's offense is starting to kick in again. And, and that's good. And I think that's why they will make him an offer. And it'll all depend on whether he accepts it or not. Now, talking about the Islanders, Ted, I mean, you're talking clutterbuck green maybe chara although i mean do you think anybody's gonna want want chara at the deadline i think someone will they'll throw a low pick at him you know with someone in the room if that's why if, if chara will accept a seventh defenseman role because obviously why he went to washington is in boston wouldn't give him that and why he went to the islanders is they they promised him they would get you know significant ice time but i think at some point you know 
the Islanders, they know they're on a death march. I think they they their performances the last couple of games. Obviously, they won the other night in Vancouver, but they got shut out by Seattle at home, which pretty much you know and that seems to be the low point of Islander fans for the since the existence of Twitter. Yes, they were they were not very happy when they got shut out uh, by you know, the first shutout in Seattle crack in history. Right, uh, but you know they they have a decent core. I mean, I think the problem is. I was a little surprised Barry Trotz hasn't tried to activate the defenseman more because I like some of their puck-moving defensemen, but they keep trying to win 2-1 games. But they're young, and he, so he doesn't want them to chance it. Dobson yeah. can do it, but he, he doesn't want to put him in that spot yet. Yeah, and just, they have such a thin margin for error that, you know, and they're not scoring, you know. It's when you – And their minors are, are weak, and, yep. and that's something where they, they have to start doing something about that because otherwise there'll be a day when Lou is not there – and Ledecky's going to look at this Islander team, and he's already got not full stands in their first year of a new building, and they're going to have the same problems all over again. I'll tell you what. I was uh, My wife wants to go to the game next week, and tickets are $6. $6 in a brand-new yes, building. Ruins. Ted, are you going to splurge? <laughs> I'm going to splurge probably. I'll, uh, maybe I'll go, I'll go 20 and go lowers. No, no, but think about this for a minute because, now I get it, COVID caused part of this, right? But we have to agree, Ted, that if the Islanders were competitive, they would be selling out the building. But they're not. And the fans yeah. are pissed again. I think you could look. There's a series of mistakes that management's made. You know, obviously, they've let a lot of talent walk over the last yes. few years. You know, Taze to Colorado, yep. uh, Eberle to Seattle, even Letty to Detroit. I mean, right. granted, they wanted to make the cap room. The problem is they used a lot of that cap room to keep Palmieri, right. which was, you know, at least – you know, Parisi is a mistake that's easy to get rid of. Charles is a mistake that's easy to get rid of. Palmieri, you're not going to move. I mean, that's Andy, where, hold on. Andy Green has had a better Islanders career than Chara. Yep. <laughs> but that's where the miscalculation of Lou and Trotz just may, makes my head shake because, okay, you had depth in the organization, young depth in the organization up front. Wallstrom was coming in. Bellows was coming in. You couldn't afford to trade a guy like Letty, who was one of your only puck movers, especially after you you, you moved Taves out to Colorado. You you would have been better off to not re-sign Palmieri and keep Letty. Let's also yeah, include Hosang in this, who could still be a factor someday. You never know. I think Hosang is going to get signed by the Leafs after yeah. the uh, after the Olympics. So, yeah, yeah but I mean, and I think the problem, the problem too with the Islanders is they were very they were pretty cocky doing that long road trip. And I think at the road trip in seven games to begin the year, they would have been okay. But they were brutally bad that last six. And then you really put the onus to win those first games at home, which is exactly when COVID and injuries hit. And yeah, the rain, I'm telling you one thing. I mean, the Islander fans are going to hate the Ranger fans that take over that building as they start marching to the playoffs late in the year. And that's going to happen. Yeah. No, and I think – I mean, I just think the Islanders, they, they kind of overrated where they were. They did. I think they're they're an okay team. Uh, well, look, we either... all we all fell for it, right? We all said, "Hey, they're built for the playoffs." I said it. I didn't pick them for the win the division because once I saw the road trip, I was like, "I think Carolina is going to win the division," but I still thought they'd make the playoffs. But they had to get to the playoffs with that team. If that team didn't have any injuries, you started the playoffs. Like, I think they probably could have done something, but they had to get through the regular season, and they obviously can't do that. And, and I think Mike, we talked about this before. Is yeah. the last two years is. The Islanders were trending downward at the end of both regular seasons. Right. And obviously, you know, had COVID not hit in 2020, there was they may not have made it. They were actually not in a playoff spot, but they got in playoff percentage they would have gotten in. And then last year they faded pretty badly down the stretch, and that was only 56 games. 
Now you're playing this playoff type style for 82 games with a team that's probably not as good as the ones two years before. It's just not going to, it's not going to get you in the playoffs. I mean, here's the other issue. The other issue is, and, and Thomas brought this up. I don't know if Ross Johnston played on the second line or not, but the fact that he's preempting playing time from Kiefer Bellows makes no sense. The one breakaway goal Ross Johnston had is his only goal in the last two years. What the hell are you doing? Yep. No, it's, it's just, I mean, I like Barry Trotz a lot, but I think he's very reluctant to turn the keys over to the younger kids. And I think it's, I mean, some, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to win 30 in a row to make the playoffs. Like, whoa, whoa, where are you right now? Yeah. I mean, they had their chance about a month ago to try to, to cut the into it, but it's, you know, it's, it's really silly that, you know, you still see talk around how, how they can make the playoffs. Well, this double, <laughs> you know, get to single digits first. It's like, you know, I, I see the Washington media during Redskins season or Washington football team. How can we get our play out to the playoffs? It's like, win some games, then we'll talk, you know, maybe you can make a run at it. But, you know, the yeah. Islanders, they're the best of the bottom eight. They'll probably make it cosmetically close, but I don't think they're seriously going to make a run for the playoffs. You yeah. know, the fact that Bellows has been scratched for five straight, if I were a GM, I'd be calling because that kid yep. can play a little bit and he's not gotten a fair shot there. Now, another – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the other mystifying thing, uh, you know, when you leave Eberle exposed to Seattle because you want to protect the D, you yeah, know, and with yeah. the team, you know, the D was their strength. The forwards were not. And you're, you're further thinning your forwards out uh, and you're letting a guy like Eberle. I'll tell, you the, I'll tell you the game where that was, Ted. That was the game of differential because they had been telling us for two years that, hey, as long as the differential's on our side, we're fine. But it yeah. got so thin that now that's not – I don't know. Maybe the case. They may still be plus on differential, but it doesn't matter anymore. Maybe they're minor, they're, they're low low single digits. But it's the problem Minus is when you're, when you're trying to win games two to one over an 82-game stretch, yeah. it just wears on you. I mean, you know. There's no, maybe, room, there's no room for error is what it is. No, means. exactly. Oh. They're not as good as they were the last two years. And they've had, obviously, a lot more bad luck than they had the last two years. So, no. you know, it's – they were they were a borderline playoff team the last couple of years, but they overachieved and when it counted. This now, year they're underachieving and they're not going to make it. One of the other East teams that might be interesting when it comes to the deadline is Ottawa. Um, they've got a couple unrestricteds uh, at forward. I mean, Zach Sanford's probably like a, a third, fourth line, you know, sandpaper guy that some team looking for a little more of that type of player would would give up something for. But fourth Nick. Rounder. Yeah, probably third, fourth rounder. But Nick Paul, who's having a really good year and is up, he's a UFA. He's going to attract a lot of attention, Russ, because he's making a million three, and he and any of the competitive the competitive contenders can fit him under the cap easily. So he's somebody. Third rounder. No, he'll get more in the third round. Oh, I don't know. Maybe a conditional second, Mike. I don't know. It's still Nick Paul at the end of the day. I know, he's but he's having a great year. But you could put him on your team and get the old Nick Paul very easy. Chad, what do you think? Well, I think it's going to be going back to the whole trade market. It's like if there's a lot of teams looking to sell guys, you might be able to get some pretty good players cheaply. Yeah, that's um, right. You know, there's only going to be so many. You know, there's only going to be so many teams buying, and if you know half the East is selling, you know, yeah. am and, I going for Nick Paul or am I going for Thomas Hurdle? I know the prices are much higher, but if I'm trying to win something, I'm going for Hurdle first. Yeah, but if, Seattle over oh, Seattle, San Jose supposedly wants to re-sign Hurdle. So will they? They're not re-signing him. Well, okay. I mean, that's that's the that's the speculation that they want. Okay, it'll be the speculation until two I, weeks from now when it's not. Okay, I'm taking them. I take I'm taking the speculation 
uh, seriously until it's not serious anymore. But but uh, Funky mentions mentions Matt Murray, Matt Murray who was placed on waivers earlier in the year and now is absolutely red hot. Nobody's um, touching Matt Murray. What two more years at six and a quarter Nobody's million dollars? No, no, I mean you'd have to He's add a franchise goalie the other way. He's their franchise goalie and. What's unfortunate is, even though he's hot, it's not going to make a difference for them as far as making the playoffs. And now you start, you do have to start questioning the roster construction and the methodology there because you could only start picking, you could only keep getting all these prospects for just so long. At some point, you have to start moving forward with some sort of progress, and they really haven't. Well, no. they, I mean, they, they have to sign Norris uh, next next summer. They have to Stutzla is one year away from his his new contract. Um, at that point, Connor Brown's a UFA. They've you know, they, you know they they've got a, they've got a lot of problems. I mean, they have they a do. lot of problems and not enough problems. We, we have to stop with this. Hey, it's okay. They're young. They're building. This has been the narrative for like the last three years. But again. It's unfair to the Sabres to pick on them and not to pick on Ottawa. Right. Now, um, Ted, yesterday the firing of Tippett, the hiring of uh, Jay Woodcroft, um, this smacks of a desperation move by a desperate organization. Believe me, I've talked a lot and blue in the face about the Oilers and how they've just screwed up over the years. And uh, to my to my mind, Ken Holland threw – uh, Dave Tippett under the bus because he didn't get him a goaltender. He really didn't improve their defense. Um, he spent money on Zach Hyman where they didn't need to spend on Zach Hyman. They needed to improve the depth of their forwards instead of providing another top six guy. I mean, in the end, I think Ken Holland's going to pay the price here because I don't I don't know whether Woodcroft can, can turn things around, but what's your read on the situation? Well, I mean, I thought they were desperate when they got Evander Kane just because getting a guy like that in your locker room is just – you know, that's a ticking time bomb. You know, you he's got a lot of talent, but you put him in that room and who knows. But, yeah, I the Oilers, it just, you know, it, it, McDavid reminds me of Mike Trout. You know, it's a great talent who's never going to go to the – go deep in the playoffs because the, the team surround him is not very good. And, you know, uh, it's just you watching the Oilers, they're, they're kind of like what are the – like what I was talking about with the Flyers earlier, they're a team that – if they win, they need to kind of outscore you. If they're they have Hold to hold on, I got breaking news. This is from TMZ. Um, Evander Kane and his model girlfriend are expecting. Like, if you want to just talk about, I mean, if this you is just broke into that crap. I did, I uh, did because that's what you get. No, hold on, I did it for a reason because of what Ted said. That's really? what you get when you get Evander Kane on your team. Yep, I mean, I, I know Mike and I have talked about the stories when he was a Buffalo Saber. Oh, yeah. of, you know the extra precautions the team had to do oh, and yes. how much they had to keep an eye on him and it's just you just you know he's a great talent but you just got to think about when you're putting a guy like that in your locker room I know like I remember years when the Caps had Alex Semin who is great talent but he graded his teammates the wrong way and there's a reason Alex they Semin. there's a reason they signed into one year deals all the time yes. because they couldn't yep. trust him they had yep. to keep motivated that's why. Yep. And then Carolina signed him that big deal and mysteriously went to the KHL in a couple of years. Yep. Worst thing that could have been. And, uh, okay, let's let's finish the show with the Olympics. Uh, tonight is Canada-U.S. in men's hockey. Um, not yeah, I'll watch it, but, like, if CSI were on, I might watch that. Like, <laughs> like it's just a toss-up. Oh, wait a second. I'm going to do my David Caruso invitation. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't believe he's even still on TV. Like, I don't know. He's not anymore. Okay. Because you're still – yeah, right. You're watching 10-year-old reruns. I forget. I don't watch CSI Miami. It was that show. Was oh, oh, I'm sorry. Which CSI are you watching, Mike? No, I'm watching NCIS. That's oh, I'm quality. sorry. NCIS. I'm sorry. Mark Harmon, not David. Mark Harmon. Yes. Wasn't he a football player with like USC in 1950? No, his, his dad was a Heisman Trophy winner at Michigan. He was a quarterback at UCLA, I think. So yeah, like what year? Like 72 or something like that. He's 70, Ross. Jesus. But he's fighting crime. No, but okay, listen. So Canada, U.S. in men's hockey, I was about to say, is not exactly as great a uh, a matchup as U.S. versus Canada in women's hockey. But still, I think you the, that matchup is going to be interesting because there's some good young players on both teams. Yeah, I mean, the, the U.S. Olympic team reminds me of the world championship teams, you know, because yeah. USA Hockey had such a hard time getting NHL guys to go. Mm-hmm. So let's get a bunch of college guys and see how we do. I mean, I think, you know, it's probably better they went they went that way than the 2018 team. It is better because at least they're building to the future, Ted. Like, at least I could live with that. But if they, what are they going to do, put an ISO cam on Jordan Wheel? I don't need to see that. I saw that for two years in Philly. I'm tired of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, it, it'll be – I think though the U.S. will do all right. I just obviously I think Canada be a tough team to be just because you know there's obviously even if it's the B team, it's still a pretty good B team. Um, but you know I think the U.S. they're doing a good job. It's a shame that obviously you can't see what the U.S. team would look like with NHLers because had they had NHLers, this probably would have been the best shot they had to medal since 2010. But how good is the team? All right, if we took the Canadian team right and we put them in the AHL. Do they win a Calder Cup? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean they got they have you know, obviously guys like Stahl. Um, yeah, they have a few good older players. Yeah, but he'll um, injure, he'll get injured if he plays in a season. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they would win. I don't know if they would win in the AHL. I don't. I mean the, the thing that the great equalizer is going to be COVID because I'm sure the yeah. team formerly known as Russia is going to have some issues. I mean they're already shutting down the season after this because. All the issues running rampant, so I'm not sure. Yeah, who's in? Who's in? Who's going to be in net for Canada? Um, let's see here. I'm just trying to see who who actually. Uh, well, Devin Levi probably. Devin Levi, right? So, so it's a it, it's a college goalie matchup, which I find very interesting, by the way, in the Olympics. Yes. So well, that to go it, that's taking it way back, which is fine by me. I mean, well, yeah. actually, okay, uh, actually, Russ, um, according to the the um, report. Eddie Pasquale is starting for Canada. <laughs> hey, Pasquale. I mean, I'm going to fall asleep in this game in 15 minutes. It's like, basically – I mean, I was watching the, the China game yesterday. It was like, you know, I was watching a bad beer league game, you know, because it said you could just – you knew the U.S. is better, but yeah, it's like the eventually you stick it so low. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, it's, you know, it's, you know, Kulun Red Star versus the U.S. team. It's like, it's come just, on. Look, and it's no offense. I like a lot of the players on the U.S. team. I do. And I like Drew Camesso. And, but I see them, I would rather see them play with their other teams than with this conglomeration of a team. I just don't find it exciting. I wish they would have moved the junior teams to the Olympics. I think it would have been a hell of a lot more be Way better. Way I mean, better. They got denied a chance to compete in Alberta. Why not give them a chance at the Olympics? Yes. That would have, you know what? I'd be up every night watching that. Yeah. Now, there's is- more chemistry on a team like that. I mean, this is worse. The rosters are worse in 2018, which is saying something. Now, Russ, you watched uh, the uh, 
the uh, U.S. game against the Czech Republic yesterday. Czechia. Oh, excuse me. I par- pardon me. Excuse me. Yes, Czechia. I did. Czechia. Um, it was a good game. It actually was close for a long time. I mean, it was two one for a long time. I think it was about seven minutes to go, five minutes to go, when it became three one. Maybe like five minutes to go. Uh, they played tough. Czech Czechia played tough. Um, Hillary Knight scored again, though, which is a big deal. Like she's, you know, passing Cameron Granado in records now, and she's really starting to feel her game in the crease. What's interesting is this is what I want to warn fans about. It doesn't matter who Canada beats nine nothing. It doesn't matter who they beat four one. If they both face each other, that's a matchup of styles that completely changes. Yes, Ted, Ted, I, I said I said this if, if, for people who remember. And obviously, it's it's men's instead of women's. But in 2010, the U.S. beat Canada in the in the round robin. It didn't right. mean good goddamn when it came to the Olympic gold right. medal game. So and that was probably. Uh, I mean, that was the best game of the tournament too. That round yeah. robin game against Canada. Yeah. Even the gold medal game, they were hanging around because of Ryan Miller. That yes. that round robin game, they were the better team that night. And we still, honestly, we still don't know who the starting goalie will be for the U.S. women's team when they face Canada because they didn't use Maddie Rooney yesterday. So, you know, they have three good goalies. Like, so that's also something that could throw off Canada for a period or two, depending on who they're facing in net, because they're not going to know. Yeah, it's like in nineteen, it's like in nineteen eighty, the U.S. starting Steve Janizek and, and instead of starting Jim Craig. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's it's. I mean, the tournament is it's just. You know, it's gotten down to U.S., Canada, and like like you were saying, Russ, it doesn't matter the game the other night because it's going to come down to when they face each other. And right. you know, it's a, any single game elimination tournament is is just tremendous theater, and it's going yeah. to be. You it know, will be the number one rated game. It will beat the men's game. It will yeah. beat everything because people are looking forward to this matchup. I don't want to say because it's real, but the rivalry no. is more real yeah. than. Anything that's going on in the men's hockey, there's no rivalry in the men's. And, hockey. and I think I think you know this is the best level of women's hockey, whereas yes, it's yes. not the best level of men's hockey. Right, it's right. it's real, Russ, because this the, these two teams are the same as if it would have been if the like you know the, the women are are the same. The men, we know the yeah. NHL didn't go. You know, if it, it would have lost maybe some luster in terms of attention, but this is the matchup we would have seen had, had the men go or the not go. So. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I'm more excited about that than I am about the gold medal game. I remember I've watching- spoken to a lot of people, and they are too. And, of course, there are a lot of people that probably want to see me lose my bet so I have to wear Team Canada colors, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, want to, I want to see Tara Sloan in the red, white, and blue. That'll be yep, beautiful. That's what's going to happen. Okay, let's let's end the show with this just because, you know, like I said, Sunday – uh is is super bowl um i i don't have any state like i said any stake in it but i'm still gonna watch i'm also gonna watch and we'll probably talk about this on monday the bad com- i've already seen some of the bad commercials that are out there oh my god they're hideous um but and i'm not even talking about the halftime show but uh let's make our predictions russ what do you think i'm gonna go uh rams 24 since he's 16. I'll say Bengals 35, Rams 28. Ooh, okay. So what you're telling me, Ted, is you don't think the Rams pass rush is going to demolish Joe Burrow. You have to hope. What you have to hope for is a great running game out of Mixon because otherwise – Joe, wait, 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 wait. Time to throw. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and won against the Chiefs. He could get sacked 16 times. Over and- 60 times this year, including the playoffs. Right. Um, I, I think I think it's gonna be the Rams. I'm gonna go 31 
17 Rams. So we'll see. We'll talk about it on Monday. Um, thank you, Ted, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yep, thanks, Anytime. Ted. Yep, thank for, you. For Ted Starkey, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.